Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. There's this very kind of enthusiastic, zealous preacher, and he's at a river, and he's baptizing people. It's a revival. And a man's watching in the distance, and, and the young preacher catches his eye, and he says, you, sir, are you ready to find Jesus? And the young man said, yeah, okay. So he walked his way through the crowd, and he comes up to the preacher, and the preacher immediately grabs him by the collar and throws him into the water and pulls him out and says, sir, have you found Jesus? And the young man went, no. So the preacher was like, right. And holds him down for five seconds. Sir, have you found Jesus? And the young man was like, no. So he grabs him, and this time he holds him down under the water for 30 seconds. And he pulls him up out of the water, and he says, now, sir, have you found Jesus? And the young man turned to the preacher and says, no, are you sure he fell in here? That's my baptism joke. That's it. You did ask for it. Um, so I don't know. I did ask. Are we ready yet? Have we got slides? <laughs> On the slides, I, um, I, I want to talk this morning about Ephesians, tie it in with Ephesians, and talk about baptism and how important it is personally, but above that, how important it is for us corporately. Because I think when we talk about baptism, and a lot with our, our salvation as well, we talk about a personal experience and a personal encounter, but actually baptism is tied inextricably linked with the body of Christ. So it's, it's a corporate thing. And uh, I want to share on those things a little bit. And if the slides, I don't know if the slides are there or not. There's a picture. About a month ago, my dad sent me an email out of the blue. And he said, look at this. And it was, a, it was two photos of my baptism, which I wanted to put up on the screen. And uh, it was uh, 38 years ago. I was uh, a fetus. No, I was, I was 10 years old. <laughs> I was 10 years old, and uh, it's at Gwynvarren Baths in Merthyr Tydfil, so swimming pool in Merthyr, and I am between my, my dad, Ian Jones, for those of you who know him, and my uncle Dave, David Roberts, and uh, there's a before and after of my baptism, and I, even to this day, uh, it's a, one of my vivid memories of, of my life, is there's a whole raft of things I don't remember about when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, but I remember that moment, yeah. and when I was baptized, my parents were... Um, if you like, wanted to be absolutely certain that I believed, that I was a believer. And that's really important. The fact that I'd been baptized in the Spirit three years earlier, apparently that wasn't enough to seal the deal. It was enough for Peter and Cornelius, but not enough for me. And uh, so at the age of 10, after asking repeatedly, um, I was baptized in water. And in that moment, something happened, I believe, in my life that I still look back to today. The power of what happened in that moment still impacts my life today, 38 years later. So for all of us who've gone through the waters of baptism, however long ago it was, the power of that can be and should be experienced today yeah. in our lives. But also what began for me at that point was, and it, maybe it's an age thing as well, but I, on reflection, I think I saw myself as part of that church in a fresh way as well. Yeah. So the church in Merthyr Tidville, where I grew up, um, was, was very important for me, obviously, in my discipleship and growth. And for the next eight years, I was there before I went to university. And for me, that was a place where I was fed and I was encouraged and I was discipled, but also where I was rooted. And not just actually because my parents went there. But actually, over time, I had my own conviction long before I went to university that this is my house. This is where I belong. This is my family. And I'm going to play my part here. And, and just for us to have an expectation 
um, as those who are in our uh, sort of high school age, if you like, or younger, that you have a part to play in this body. And for us who are older, to not dismiss the significance of our 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And I'm not saying we do dismiss that, but that we really understand how important this is. Because something happened that day where I was, I was baptized into Christ, but, I, but by being baptized into Christ, I was baptized into his body. So what do we mean by baptism? And I know we've covered this before. And if the slides were working, I'm just going to keep referring to the slides. There would be a picture of a jar of pickles. Okay, does anybody here love gherkins? This will divide the room now. Who goes to McDonald's, has a cheeseburger? Actually, let's close our eyes and bow our heads now. <laughs> and who would, who, would, who, would, who would gladly eat the gherkin that comes in the burger? Who passes the gherkin on to somebody who's really disgusting? Wow, that's impressive, actually. So we've got way more gherkin lovers than haters. I knew this was where I, should, I belonged. I'm a gherkin man. And um, the word baptism, it means to dip to immerse and to submerge. We know this, I think, already. The word baptizo, it's a Greek word. It means to like plunge a vessel into water. It's to cleanse by submerging. It's to wash and it's to bathe. And the other word that's used to describe this word baptizo, from which we get baptism, is to overwhelm, which I really like, to overwhelm. And um, there are two words in Greek, baptizo and bapto. I know we all know this. I'm just, just covering it off for those who don't know Greek, which is only one of us, that's me. Bapto and baptizo. And um, it's important that we understand really what, how significant this word baptizo is. So there was a, a Greek poet and physician called Nysander. He lived about 200 BC, 200 years before Jesus. And he had a recipe for making pickles. Okay? And in the recipe, he uses these two words. He uses the word bapto and the word baptizo in the same recipe, which helps us to distinguish the difference between the two. Because he says initially you take the vegetable... It's a cucumber, isn't it? It's like a baby cucumber, which kind of feels cruel, but it's delicious, so it's okay. And he said, you bapto it, you dip it in boiling water, and then you take it and you baptizo it into the vinegar solution. One is a dipping and out. The other is an immersion that causes a total transformation of that vegetable. And when we talk about baptism, it's not bapto where today, Stuart's going to be dipped in. Yes, he's going to be submerged and he's going to come out, but essentially he's not too different. In baptism, something happens in the spirit that will transform us fundamentally so that we'll never be the same again. He'll make us softer. He'll make us sweeter. He does something in us when he baptizes us. And what he does is he immerses us in a jar with all the other pickles that have been immersed. And we're all the same. We're all in the same jar in the same vinegar, and we all taste amazing. <laughs> Apart from unless you're Esther Shakel. No, yeah, you don't like it, do you? But um, this word baptizo is really powerful. And the word baptizo is used about 100 times in the New Testament. And we all know, first and foremost, biblically, Jesus is baptized yeah. in water. And as a believer, for me, that's like, well, that's enough. Yeah. You know, if it's good enough for you, Jesus, why would I not do the same? And John is blown away. John the Baptist is blown away when Jesus asks him to baptize him. John's like, no, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus, no, I need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And in that moment, 
God speaks, the Father speaks, the Spirit descends, and the Son rises out of the water. And there's this beautiful picture of the Godhead together. And Jesus then begins his ministry. Something happens even in Jesus' ministry that's marked by going through the waters of baptism. And Jesus then instructs his disciples to do the same. We all know Matthew 28. Therefore, go into all the nations, making disciples of all the nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Those who believe and are baptized. And that's always the pattern. Believe and be baptized. And then throughout the New Testament, throughout Acts, time and again, multiple baptisms. And so if you open your Bibles quickly, we'll do a quick skim through the book of Acts. Acts 2. And we'll come back to Acts 2 because there's a significance in how I believe how Luke describes Peter's preach and his response to the appeal in the light of who Jesus is what should we do and he says what repent Acts 2:38 and go to church repent and enjoy your new relationship with Jesus personally in your own house <laughs> no he says repent be baptized and you receive the holy spirit and this promise is to you and, and all who are far away, who've been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. And I'm going to use that excuse today to go till three o'clock. <laughs> Paul preached into the night, guys. Come on. It's, it's pre- biblical precedent. He says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. There's something in what happens in that moment of repentance and being baptized that draws us out of a crooked generation and transplants us into a brand new, wonderful organism. And that organism is called the Ecclesia, the church. Because then in verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Amazing growth of the church. And from then we see baptisms. Um, Acts 8, just jump into Acts 8 very quickly. We'll just quickly, Philip, the evangelist, preached a gospel of repentance and baptism. That's clear. Because when the apostles turn up in Samaria where there's this revival, all of the people that they meet there are born again and wet. Not in a bad way, because they've been baptized. And then Peter and John get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. But, but Simon the sorcerer is baptized. The believers in Samaria are baptized. Then, then, then Philip carries on and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch and we don't know exactly everything. Hey! I mean, firstly... The artwork of Tim Chapman deserves in itself, that just deserves a moment. There's, I wore the same top, you see? My da- I, I wore the same top today. This, I chose this especially because, just so you knew, it was me in the picture. Okay? That's my, da- that's my dad, and there I am coming out of the water. Baptism. You have to wear stripes of some sort when you're baptizing or being baptized. I hope you know that. That's all in the rules. Whether it's on the shoulder or the shirt. And there's our pickle that we were all waiting to see desperately. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And then we've got some biblical baptisms. So we've got uh, the Ethiopian eunuch we've mentioned. (coughs) Philip preaches to him. And what we know is this. The Ethiopian eunuch says, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptizoed? And Philip's absolutely right. Splash. Out you come. I'm off. And he carries on in joy to Ethiopia. Cornelius and his family, the evidence that, that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are, are able to come into the same relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ as the Jews. It blows the minds of the, the Jews, the Jewish believers at the time, but it's clear with Cornelius and his family. And once they respond to the, 
the gospel and they're saved and they're filled with the spirit, then the disciples realize, well, we need to baptize them now. They need the full package here. Um, they, they're coming on the same basis that we are. And then Lydia, this lady who's leading a little prayer meeting by a river in Philippi, Paul comes across her, and for the very first church in, the, in a Gentile nation is established through a faithful group of praying ladies, and they're born again, and they're baptized in water, and a significant church, that, that initially this first church outside of Jewish territory is established because of a ladies' prayer meeting. Isn't that brilliant? And they're baptized. And then we see the Philippian jailer. While they're still in Philippi, they get arrested. They get put in prison. Earthquake happens inevitably as they're worshipping. We talked today about worshipping regardless. That's what they're doing, Paul and Silas. And all of a sudden, the Philippian jailer wants to kill himself. And he doesn't. He's stopped. And he and his family believe and they're baptized. Crispus, great name. He was baptized in boiling water. And uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> I just imagine like it but, boiling pot of sunflower oil and him being baptized and got coming out as Crispus. Not just me. Okay. You'll never forget Crispus. And the Corinthians, they're, they're, they believe and they're baptized. Okay, I'm sorry. And then Apollos and, um, and the believers in Ephesus. So jump to Acts 18 and 19 just quickly. I'm going to quickly highlight these. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm going through these is it's important we see what the Bible has to say about yeah. baptism. This isn't a new thing. This is right from the beginning of the birth of the church. Those who believed were what? Baptizoed. Let's get Greek. Come on. And there's this gentleman called Apollos, who's a powerful teacher, Acts 18. And uh, verse 25, he, he's, he's, he's arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in 25. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and accuracy. Now, that's a good combination. However, he only knew about John's baptism. And similarly, when, and, then, and then Priscilla and Aquila hear him preaching and they, they realize that he's not got full revelation yet of, of what baptism is. Because there's, there's another baptism now, the baptism into Jesus Christ. And so they explain it more fully to him. And then Acts 19, Paul arrives in, in, in Ephesus and he meets these several believers. And his first question, did you receive the spirit when you believed? Acts 19.2. And they honestly say, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We haven't heard of him. Who is he? And then he says, well, I've, what baptism have you experienced? And they said the baptism of John. Now, the baptism of John was a temporary baptism of repentance be between the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry um, as a 30-year-old man and his death, burial, and resurrection. It was a short-term holding baptism. But as soon as Jesus was risen from the dead, the fulfillment of what that baptism represented was now complete in Christ. Yeah. And there were other shadows of baptism that were much older than this. The passing of the Red Sea, we talked about Moses today. The crossing of the Red Sea was a picture of baptism. Circumcision, when God tells Abraham to circumcise the foreskin of every, um, child, every male child, that was a picture of baptism, the cutting off of that which is unclean. And the flood, the flood is a picture of baptism where God washes the earth through the waters of baptism and Noah and his family, Mrs. Noah, Shem, Mrs. Shem, Ham, Mrs. Ham, Japheth, Mrs. Japheth, are all saved through the waters of baptism. So that was very unnecessary. And so we see the, the significance and the power of baptism. And actually, almost half of the New Testament books talk about baptism specifically. 27 books, 12 speak about it. In Romans, just quickly turn to Romans 6. We're just going to move through our New Testament very quickly. But Romans 6, verse 3. In fact, Roman, the first half of Romans 6 is a wonderful chunk of scripture to read in, in the context of baptism. 
But Paul says, have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus when we were saved? In baptism. We joined in his death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new life. So there's this died and buried with Christ. We're joined with Christ in baptism. 1 Corinthians, just quickly jump into Corinthians, the next book. Don't go too far. Paul starts to list all of the people that he's been baptized. And one of the issues is there's a beginning to become a little bit of like personality cult in the church in Corinth. Where they're like, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, and I'm with Jesus. And it's all kind of causing division. And Paul says, look, I only baptized Gaius and I only baptized Crispus. You remember Crispus? <laughs> How can we forget Crispus? And then he says, oh yeah, and I did also baptize the household of Stephanus. You know, you can tell he's dictating. But he's describing the fact that he established baptism. And baptism was a key part of the church in Corinth. And then 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2. Here's Moses again. And this is where it's linked back to the Exodus. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2, that God's people were, went through the sea on dry ground, in the cloud and in the sea. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. And jump forward a couple of chapters to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. That's a really powerful verse. That's the corporateness that I'm talking about of baptism. You, you could be Gentile, you could be Jew, you could be a slave, you could be free, but we're all one through baptism by the spirit, water baptism. Galatians 3, 27. Paul says, for all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Colossians 2, 12, after he, he has just been talking about circumcision. And he says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and raised to new life with him. Hebrews 6 says, you don't need to worry about those first principles. Or you don't need to re- reteach you about those first principles of dot, 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 baptisms. And 1 Peter 3.21, this is the connection back to Noah and the flood, where Peter says, corresponding to that, the story of the flood, the saving of the, through the flood, baptism now saves you. Okay, and I just want to say five things very quickly about what baptism um, says and what it means. Firstly, it's a sign of obedience. So I think we've got, it's an outworking of obedience. Jesus is going to all nations, discipling, disciple the nations, baptizing them. I believe the first step of, as a believer is, is, to, is through the waters of baptism. Now, that's if, if you've not yet been baptized, but you're a believer, it's not to condemn you, but I believe that that should be part of our practice, that as people are saved and they believe and they put their faith in Jesus, water baptism is that next step. And it's a step of obedience. We don't always have to understand it all. It's helpful, we understand it, but it's the step of obedience. And it says this, I'm lining my life up with Jesus. And it does it publicly. Does it publicly, and this is really important. But you, you, we are I, you could have been saved in your own bedroom by yourself when you prayed a prayer of repentance. Now, you were then encouraged to confess, to tell others, but that point of salvation happened just with you and him. Yeah. But when we're baptized, it has to be public. Why? Because at least one other person needs to be there to baptize you. <laughs> and there's something wonderful about that. There's something wonderful about I can't baptize myself. What does that mean? I need you. I need another believer to help me to be baptized. Why? Because we're being joined together. 
I can't do it by myself. You can't just dunk yourself in the bath. There's something about baptism that requires another person to do it. And I believe that's a pic- that, that starts to show us the corporateness of what this means. And to do it as part of a church family and to celebrate that together is wonderful. Such a privilege and a joy to do that together today. And it's profoundly powerful. Think back to those examples. The Exodus. What a miracle. Parting of the Red Sea. The waters crashing down over the Egyptian charioteers who are trying to drag them back into slavery and they're drowned in the water. Circumcision. All the men cross their legs at this point. But this physical act that for then centuries was absolutely taken by a whole race to mean absolutely everything about who they were and their identity as those who believed in God. And then, lastly, the flood. This world-changing event. Baptism is powerful. They're just shadows. They're just pictures of what's happening today. There's power in baptism. This isn't just a nice thing. This isn't just a picture or a symbol for Stuart. This is a physical act that has spiritual power and significance. Unites us with Christ. And if I'm united with Christ, I become part of his body. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. And baptism says that. Going back to Galatians 3.27, all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Or have you forgotten Romans 3, uh, Romans 6.3, sorry, that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death and we've been united with him. So united with Christ in this act. But yeah, I can't be united with Christ without being united to those who are also united with Christ. There's not like a point where you latch on to Christ and you're independent of everybody else that's in him. We just become part of his body together. And that's all being knitted and joined together. And there's this verse again in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. One spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Who we are, where we come from, what religion we might have had before, what race we might, or what tribe or nation, or our demographic, or how much we earn or don't earn, how educated we are. None of that matters. What matters is we're united in Christ. And baptism brings us into that unity. And so when we are baptized, we are joining, not just with Christ, we're joining the church. I just think that's something we don't often talk about. But actually, we're joining the church. And we don't just join the church, you know, kind of as all individual church members of a universal church, and it's all kind of theoretical. We become part of a local expression of the church. I love the fact that Carl started by saying, I'm a member of Living, we're, we're members of Living Rock Church. Yeah. But you don't hear that very often from the front, but actually, amen. Yeah. Because they're saying, this is my home. Yeah. Yes, I'm part of the, the whole church, but this is where I outwork my, my Christian life. Yeah. This is where I outwork my faith. I'm joined with you lot. Yeah. And by you lot, I mean that in the nicest possible way. Well, that's lot. <laughs> You know, we read, we're talking to David about this the other day, we read so much of the Bible individually. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I have been guilty of reading so much of the Bible, the New Testament, individually. Mm. But so much of it is written to a people. Yes. So many of the letters are written to churches. Just look at these verses. All of the baptized with Christ have been joined. Here we go, from Ephesians. So here we are. We, we're going into Ephesians a little bit here over the coming weeks. Um, and Phil kicked that off last week. But... It says, as soon as they heard that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's our believers in Ephesus, these 12 individuals, 12 men. And then this church grows. And now Paul writes to an established, mature church in Ephesus. And he says, God decided in advance to adopt you into his family by bringing you 
to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wants. Have I read that correctly? No. No. Thank you for reading with me. Thank you for challenging me. Because we are united with Christ. uh, Sorry, because you are united with Christ, you've received an inheritance from God. For he chose you in advance. And he makes everything work out for your good. Because you're brilliant. To be his own person. So that you can praise and glorify him. No. He's writing to a group of people. He's writing to a family. He's writing to a church. He's writing to citizens. He's writing to family members. He's writing to a house that is about us, not me. Christ to me, yes, but it's us and Christ, actually. And baptism is so powerful. I um, was just thinking this morning about uh, one last illustration. And um, I, I learned that there's 400 billion pieces of Lego, they estimate, that have been made. There's about 400 billion. Let's face it, if they've been made, they're not going anywhere, are they? Um, and if, if you've ever stood on an individual piece of Lego, you'll never forget that moment as well. But there are 400 billion, which means that if all the Lego was shared equally across everybody in the world, every person on the planet would have 62 pieces of Lego each. Okay, and I'm up for that. <laughs> Dave Batson isn't, but he's already got half the world's population. And the thing about Lego is, what, what I love about it is that each piece is, is made perfectly, and each piece is marked with the Lego logo. We were, Sarah and I were talking about when we bought rip-off Lego. It just, it's terrible. It doesn't fit together. Has anybody ever bought non-Lego Lego? Isn't it the biggest mistake ever? False economy times 10. Okay? Lego's the legit thing. And this isn't a promotion for Lego. But you can get Ninjago, Lego Friends. And um, when we're born again, when we're saved, we are stamped. We're transformed from, a, from something that, that's been molded into something that's that, that, that set apart for God. But when we were saved and we were marked, like a piece of plastic that's been made into a Lego brick, and each Lego brick is different, each Lego piece is different, but this was made to be joined. One piece of Lego by itself is painful, but a lot of Lego joined together is beautiful. And it's amazing what the creator with a bag of Lego can create with those pieces that are made to fit together. As believers, we are pieces of Lego. Now, if I hadn't done that introduction, that might have sounded very random. But different colors, different shapes, different sizes, it really doesn't matter. In fact, if they were all the same color and all the same shape and all the same size, there's no opportunity to really create anything beautiful or stunning. But the diversity, and yet the fact that they are made to be joined together allows the creator infinite possibilities. That's God's heart for us this morning. You might think, oh, I'm not a very significant part of this body. I'm not like so-and-so. No, you're not. Praise God. Because God's made you to be unique, to play your part in the body. Each one of us made me to play my part in the body. And even today, you know, for Stuart, there's something that's going to happen, Stuart, that's going to be a joining with Christ that's going to be powerful for you. But it's going to do something here corporately as well. And you've got a part to play in this body. And we're glad that you're here to do that. Because we need you. For you, Stanley, for you, for the family, we need you. We're different. We're individual. We're marked with Christ. We're shaped for him, but we're made to be joined together. I just want to encourage us today to know that that's what baptism is all about today. We're this beautiful house. Just the last slide for me, please. You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. 
people of Market Harbour, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You might be from Wales, you might be from the States, you might be from wherever you are, but you're no longer strangers, you're no longer foreigners, because now you are citizens along with all of God's holy people, members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Praise God for apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And then we're carefully joined together, carefully joined in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Amen. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. Thank you for doing a work individually. But, Lord, that you've done that so that corporately we can be made and fashioned and shaped into something that brings glory to your name. Jesus, you're the cornerstone. We're built around you. But, Lord, as you do that, and as we're built around you on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, you love to flood that house, that place with your spirit. And I just want to acknowledge right now, Holy Spirit, your presence with us, that you are present with us, that you are with us as we leave this place. We still remain part of the body, that you have things for us to do where you're going to transform the simple acts that we might perform. You're going to anoint them. You're going to take them and bless them and multiply them, Lord. That Market Harbor is going to be blessed because of us being part of that community. But Lord, we acknowledge to get our togetherness right now in you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.